This podcast was created by the Arts and Junior Cycle team for the Junior Cycle Talks channel. Welcome to this week's Arts and Junior Cycle podcast. My name is James Thompson and in this episode we are delighted to be joined by Eric Ney. Eric was one of 17 architects who participated in Architecture Connects. This initiative is running collaboration with the Irish Architecture Foundation where an architect facilitates a small group of teachers in exploring the design process. During the episode, we will get an insight into Eric's experience of Architecture Connects, as well as his work as an architect and lecturer. Eric, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, James. This is fun. Yeah, it's brilliant. So we, we get to work with you in, uh, in an Architecture connects program that we do with the Irish Architecture Foundation. We might hear a small bit about that as we go along. But could Absolutely. you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Sure, I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll be as succinct as I can. So I'm a, I'm a confusing architect because I've done a lot of things, but you'll find architecture that's not unusual to do a lot of things. And that's, you know, further, down, further along when we have our discussion with, you know, what, what, what is the strength of architectures and education for kids going forward? Um, there's so many applications and um, myself, I began as kind of a normal architect designing buildings and um, moved to New York City when I was young and did skyscrapers and all those things that one wants to do. And then um, slowly um, over time, I started, I went back to graduate school. And when you're going to graduate school, sometimes to pay your tuition, you teach. So a lot of us get interested in teaching as part of our graduate education. And architecture is a long haul education wise, a five year BARC, a three year MARC, and it's eight years of education and then three years of internship. So it's 12 years before you can even take the test to be an architect. So it's quite a long slog, but for those of us that like it, we like it. So I um, started teaching when I was in graduate school and then I've gone back and forth between teaching and practice, practice throughout the years, sometimes doing full-time practice and then teaching a couple courses on the side, sometimes doing full-time teaching and doing a little side projects here and there. And at the moment, um, I'm mostly teaching in this part of my career in my life. Um, and I went and then I ended up um, the toggle was administration and professor kind of stuff too. So um, yeah, that's kind of it. So I've uh, like many of my friends and you will see architects who have thriving practices and they teach part-time and there are people who are um, professors and they have small practices on the side. And that's one of the nice things about this as an academic field too, is you get to keep practicing and it's not just, um, although I write books and I do that kind of stuff too, you get to do other types of practice too. That's really rewarding. And did you, like, when you first went into those places in New York and that first practice, did you see yourself down the line as I would be telling people how to do this? <laughs> oh, I was more arrogant than that. I, if you ask, <laughs> if you ask the 19 year old me what I was going to do, I was going to be a world famous architect and I would have, I remember this, I said I was going to have an apartment in Vienna, an apartment in New York City, oh, wow. and maybe a villa somewhere, you know, in Spain or something. And, you know, between airplane tickets and uh, doing airplane ride flights and designing houses and museums i would squeeze in a few other things too and but um no i uh, i've adjusted i've adjusted my intentions quite a bit from there okay and and was there buildings <laughs> like is there buildings that stood out to you along the way or spaces around where you grew up that left well, a last impression on you or one of the things that people always think is that you must have grown up you know loving buildings um maybe dad was a contractor I had no interest in any of that stuff. I grew up in apartments. So I didn't know what an architect was. I'd never seen an architect and I could care less about architecture. Didn't even know it was a field, but I started drawing and I took high school, a high school art class with a really great drawing teacher. 
And then the drawing became sculpture and sculpture became the other thing. In high school art class, they looked at the type of drawings I was doing. And I remember, and they plopped down a book of Franklin Wright renderings, those big, beautiful colored drawings. And I went, I want to draw like that. And eventually, what am I going to do to draw like this? And I looked into graphic art and I looked at other art things. And I made a little trip to the nearby university where I was going to go in my own home state in Kentucky. And I walked in the art studios and it was, you know, typeset and posters and very like that. And I went to the architecture school and it was madness. Stuff hanging from the ceiling, people doing drawings the size of a wall. And I went, this is exactly, I don't know anything about architecture and I've never, I'm not good at math and science. It's not my field, but this is what I want to do. So it was drawing. So I definitely say I, I came to architecture via loving to draw. And what age were you when you went and visited that college then? Yeah, uh, 17. 17, yeah. well, so it was only then it hit you. Yeah, no, it was right at the end when it was coming. And, you know, I was going to go to university in my home state and that was all covered and I had uh, a scholarship and stuff. So, um, and of course, my mom wanted me to be a, a doctor and um, architect because no one, architect has a nice shimmer to it. So most people here, I always tell people like, you know, how do you know, how do you know what an architect does? Well, Mr. Brady and the Brady Bunch, the American TV show, um, Tom Hanks and uh, Sleepless in Seattle was an architect. It's the classic TV profession where you're, you know, kind of professional, but you also don't have to wear a tie. So you're not too corporate. <laughs> you're approachable. So uh, architecture has this funny little glimmer. But um, yeah, I had no idea about buildings. And I learned I learned to love And Of course, now I teach architectural history. So I do indeed love buildings and <laughs> have degrees in loving buildings. But uh, that's how I got there. So I think. I think it's really important, like we not think about, you know, architecture is uh, such a finite discipline, like the way people, people come to it from many different directions. The first time you came in as a student was really important. What do you try to impress on the students that come to you then for the first time? Is there like, yeah. is there a mindset or an attitude that they need to have or that they need to maybe have changed the perception going in? Boy, that's I wish I I wish I had you a few minutes ago. I just taped a lecture and I gave a speech because because one of the courses I'm teaching right now in design theory and design thinking, um, I told them point blank, you're not thinking like designers and architects yet. You're thinking like a consumer. Don't do that. Like get under the hood and think about like what is your product doing? What is what is what are you doing for society in it? What is it? What are you projecting? What kind of like are you helping? I was telling industrial design students, you know, design helps people cope with new technologies. It makes it more personable. And I think architecture is the same thing. So you're back to your question. Um, with students, I try to impress upon them that um, architecture and learning about these things, and I'll often say architecture and design, like I won't just say architecture, hmm. because the program I teach is technically environmental design. So if you want to be a licensed architect, you have to get a master's degree. But many of my students will go into planning, urban design. Sometimes they do community things. Sometimes they're sustainability coordinators. There's so many things now. Architecture is no longer such a finite discipline like when I was a kid. Um, it was, you'd finish your architecture degree, you would draft for three years, you'd take your test, you get licensed, and then there wasn't a lot of wiggle. Maybe if you got lucky, you might work in a firm that does some urban planning on the side or some landscape, but essentially it was a pretty narrow path. And that's different now. So I think kids coming into architecture and design and design education and art education, um, are have so many more things they can do and discovering who they are and what their interests are. And, and like I said, I've seen, I've had students who are um, um, disability coordinators for large offices who go back and survey buildings. Um, 
people who coordinate facilities for whole universities, people who like all these all these jobs. And when you and then when you talk to the student, you say, yeah, your personality, you're an organizational person. You're not going to pick out windows. This is not your fate. We don't need to have you sitting in front of you're not the AutoCAD type, but you're so good at this. So I try to think of it as, you know, it's such a wide open education that is also balanced in technical things, organizational things, business things. Um, you know, there's a I always tell the story. There's a mayor in um, in Colombia who when he makes decisions, he thinks about it like a designer. So if I want to get people to use buses more, I design great bus stops and I redo the bus system. And he's an architect. Like, what would the world be like if architect if the mayors were architects? They might be more inclusive. They might, you know, think about how people actually use things instead of write random policies. So that's the same with students. Like you're you figure out who you are. And it's an it's a in, in like all creative disciplines, part of what you're doing is you're producing the work, of course, and learning the technical skills, but you're literally gaining your voice too and deciding what you want to do. So I I'm I'm very much in support of you know what you do, James, too, because I think you know art education is not just art education; it's so much more, and it's um, you know giving students a voice and they can figure out who they are, whether it's art, music, anything, anything creative that gives them a chance to do that. So, yeah, and and that in particular is where we come into a place with Architecture Connects, which we've worked on with the Irish Architecture Foundation, mm. where it's small groups of teachers from any subject discipline. So we're talking music. Um, art, graphics, wood technology, English, history, everything, they're all in there. Um, and in that particular one, they explore the design process with an architect. So there was three or four with you. What is the design process? And can you tell us a small bit about your experience of sharing that with your group of teachers? We've done it yeah. twice in 2021 now online. Yeah, I've done it twice and I've had two very different groups of people, um, very different interests. And so part of the design process, and I think, you know, in our last meeting, one of the teachers that was Rona, one of the teachers that was present said it pretty well that, you know, the architecture connects, uh, the way it works is it helps demystify what they think architecture is. And I think that's a big deal. And a lot of the, these are art teachers and, and shop teachers, and they have technical skills and they understand students and they, they get it and they're interested in learning. So I think for them, um, part of it is just to demystify it and they already know how to do like you begin, even I begin with research and I just have them do site research. We try to find what a problem is that I can solve. It could be like a, you know, when you walked in the original COVID, when no one could leave, everyone had to stay within a kilometer of their house, like on your daily walk, what do you come across every day that bothers you? For somebody, it's a bus stop that doesn't work. For somebody else, it's a bridge that doesn't work. Let's analyze why it doesn't bother you and think about why it doesn't bother you. What could you, how could you fix it and change it and propose it? And they can do that. And I said, you know, I think I think everybody should have more architecture education, no matter what they do, just because I think it makes us better citizens because we, you know, you have a say in your physical environment and your world. And, um, you know, if they want to build a house next to me and it's bigger than we think it is, we have to vote on it in my neighborhood. Like we can stop things and start things. So I begin just by having them do that stuff and just kind of look around and have them do loose research and um, represent it, drawings, photographs, whatever they're comfortable with. And all of a sudden they realize that they're seeing things and then they can analyze things and then they can extract what's good and bad. And they have all the tools to make a proposal. Most people do like it, it's, I've taught people that have no background in art and design and anything and, um, and run workshops. It's pretty amazing. Um, because we all, we're all good at saying this doesn't work. And I know why, because mm -hmm. I've experienced it, but we often think it's, it's, you have to have this, these wonderful magical set of professional skills to be able to fix it. It's not true. 
And, and how do you move from that problem finding to solutions? Like creativity is huge in the new junior cycle. How is that fostered? Like you don't magically solve the problem. Mm. What sort of steps are there to promote that creativity? Yeah, well, and that one I do fall back on having practiced for many years and taught for many years. And I kind of model how I would go about it. And, you know, we did things, we've done things like made photo essay journals. We've done, um, uh, drawn site maps for psychogeographic maps, like draw a map of how you experience the space rather than what it looks like. Go into Google Earth and pull up a plan and start to measure things, so you know, how big things are and gra grab as much hard data as you can and then see what kind of process we can have out of that. And I've found um, usually one one group I think was more prone to modeling. They enjoyed making things three-dimensionally, taking them apart, the first group. The second, the second group was um, very into drawing perspectives and working in real space on top of images. So it's, it's not long before you figure out what people are good at and how they like representing things. And the group, usually they agree. They, they quietly agree to, we're a model making group. We're a perspective drawing group. Um, we're a collage group. And, um, and again, these are our teachers, of course, already have art degrees and skills that are, um, so this isn't uncomfortable for them at all. So they come in with a big kit of parts. And then before you know it, they um, are messing around and they have something that's very solid and tangible and they're proud of and um, they're very viable product projects. Like many and, of them and what happens in the messing around? What sort of freedom is there? Or like, what is the messing around that makes this creative juices yeah. flow? Like that there's freedom there that it's not this linear mm -hmm. line. You know, what's funny, and I'm just thinking about this now because I'm teaching on my other world, other world, I'm teaching, you know, 20 year olds. And the 20 year olds kind of want you to tell them exactly what to do. Yeah. And then they're a little nervous. So you kind of have to show them and lead them through. And it's a different crowd. It's a different mindset because they're young. With the Architecture Connects program, you know, they're, some of them are almost my age. All of them are adults. All of them are confident, strong people. And, you know, they'll say, no, I'll say, why don't you make a mod out of clay? And instead, and they do something instead. And that's usually a smart move too. So the messing around often, I find that like they, they claw back into what they're really good at. And before you know it, you know, you, this is, this person's extremely good at photo montages. This person's extremely good at that. And then they start sharing the processes and they kind of learn from each other too. So the messing around part is, um, again, I think they're looking for like their voice and their identity. And I think I, I think I'll go back to Rona's comment that I still think is really great. Like this, this program helps demystify architecture. And I wish we could do that more often in more cases across the planet. Right. And then we would we wouldn't be sitting back and waiting for people to plop down buildings that we protest and hate and felt like no one asked me. So I think that's I think it's part of I think it's probably the answer that I'm roundabout that I'm getting to. Yeah, brilliant. And and then I presume in that messing around, there is mistakes that are made. Um, oh, and then yeah. it like in junior cycle, again, a safe failure environment is really important. Mm. And we try yeah. we try to do that. So. Like, how does failure lead to learning and why is reflection really important? Yeah, and I think part of what happens, uh, back to the process, part of what happens with failure that's important in architecture is, in the process, is do it again and again and again. You do it 40 times, then do it 50 times. And if 50 of them fail, even better. 40 of them even fail. So what happens instead of, and this is a hard thing to teach younger kids, architecture connect could work a little bit better, but you have to teach people that you don't just do one thing. And it doesn't come to you. I always tell students, no one's going to deliver. You're not going to have an epiphany. Trust me. 
It's not going to be a vision won't appear in the middle of the night and you're going to sit down and draw something perfect. There's no napkin drawing. Like all those drawings of napkins, they were done after the fact and then they stick them in the archives. So the messing around part, so, you know, they'll draw 20 or 30 perspectives and I'm, I critique them because that's what we do. We say what's wrong with something and we say what's good about something. And before you know it, and that somebody shows up instead of bringing two or three things, they bring four or five or six or seven or eight or nine, or they present something and say, you know what, I'm not, I don't even want to show you this, Eric. This is so bad. We go, no, 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 show us. Come on, come on, come on. And it'll be, you know, a messy watercolor, but you're like, no, here's what's good in that. There's nothing you can produce that is bad. There's nothing. Everything has some kind of value because you made it and you were thinking about the project when you made it. So there's got to be something in there. We might have to talk it through. We might have to like negotiate. And again, with Architecture Connects, it's um, we all negotiate, we all talk. I mean, it's very, it's the, that's the joy and pleasure of teaching not 15 people, but three or four. That number is magical. So you discuss it, and before you know it, they're um, producing armloads of work. One, two, three, four, five, six, and, and experimenting and, and doing things that they would not have done normally. It, again, it's it demystifying the process. It's much looser and more experimental and more um, free. And I don't even think they view it as mistakes. You know, which, you know, I always tell them there's no such thing as a mistake. If you did, if you made a single thing and you had an idea in your head, it solved something where you wouldn't have done it. Even if you're asleep and you make something, I don't care. It's something. You made it. There's a reason. And I assume there's huge value in the collaboration then rather than it just being I go off and I follow this design process by myself. Yeah, a, a, a huge, pro, a huge in the collaboration, also huge in the. I think socially, the you know the first time I did this, it was deep in the heart of COVID, and we were all locked in our houses and lonely, and and it was, it was very it was social too. So I think all of the teachers, you know, they don't know each other before this, and they're fast friends. And I look forward to our meetings, and you know, every second Friday at you know one o'clock in the afternoon, we get together for a couple hours and we show each other work and catch up with each other's lives, and um, and so they all become involved in each other's work too, and they're they're very um, supportive of each other too. They get excited and they talk about each other's work and all that kind of good stuff too, which is, which is another important thing about if the way the profession works too. There's all the myths about what architects do. They don't sit quietly in the dark by themselves. You have to work with everybody. And usually if you're the architect is the one who has the either awful or wonderful job of you talk to the client and then all the other people. You're the liaison between, you're the, you're the mediator between thing between things. So it takes a very unique set, unique personality, which I think is why a lot of architects naturally can end up teaching because it's the same thing. You're mediating between the university and the student, you know, you're interpreting all the time. So like you are, you're absolutely excited about architecture and like it being wider than that specific mm. thing that people have a mindset of. Yeah. And I, I, and I, I, you know, if I could, and all it really takes is go out and look online and, you know, pick your favorite building and look with the firm that did it dig them up and see what they do. It's going to be a firm. Maybe it's a collaboration. Maybe it's an office that does planning, landscape, um, structural engineering. Maybe they also do textiles. You know, there's in-house, all, all kinds of things are happening now in collaborations. There's a wide, uh, there's a wide range. There's, there's statistics. Um, they did a survey of master of architecture graduates from Harvard's class of 1985 or something like that. And only 30% of them were practicing architects. They're everything else. And it's that everything else that I think is exciting too. Although I have friends that are, are regular architects and they're happy as clams too. But even that, sometimes people gravitate and they'll start doing interiors or only doing commercial jobs or um, doing um, very particular types of projects. 
Okay, brilliant. Finally, then, my last question. What advice would you give to a young person who wants to develop their design skills or a teacher who wants to promote design or design thinking among their students? Hmm. So with with students, I would definitely say um, anything, any creative endeavor you can come up with that you like. Um, if you like drawing, draw more. If you like painting, paint more. If you like making things out of wood, make things out of wood more. Make things out of ceramics. Just constantly making things, um, keeping notebooks and sketchbooks and not being afraid um, that you don't have a particular skill. You don't have to be the greatest at drawing to draw. So drawing is seeing more than it is. The thing in product doesn't really matter, which is hard for people to process. So, and with the teachers, I think um, bringing in, uh, I, I've already heard a lot of them and how they're gonna bring this into the classroom. And, I, and, and I'll go back to my previous comment that I think the more people know about architecture, the more we build good citizens, the more our cities improve as a result. I think for all the teachers, I think the um, I, I keep going back demystifying architecture as part of the process, and and um, these kids naturally wanted. To, and all you had to do is say, if there's anything in your school that you could change, what would you change? That took about three seconds. <laughs> they were there. Well, there's this courtyard that we hate. There's the thing that we hate. What are you going to do about it? How can you want to make models? How do you want to express that? And of course, you know the teachers are seeing this is a great way to engage them, not just in the creative process, but in their community. And they naturally, almost organically, start working together. It becomes collaborative, and this is how you approach things. And gives people—I think—it gives people agency too. It makes you know they're an active part of their not just learning but community. And I think that's the, of course, that's the rewarding thing about being an architect too. And I have a, I have a friend who's quite a famous architect and architect and professor, and he does glamorous stuff, and he doesn't post many things. But he finally posted a project, and it was a local movie theater in his neighborhood that he restored. And everyone's in love with him because of it. And I wrote him, I said, this is the most humane, sweet, kind, generous project. You must have feel so much pride and joy from doing this. He goes, yeah, this one means so much more than the other flashy things because my community and it's yeah. the city's history and the people are praising me like crazy because they're so happy to have the theater where they grew up as a kid and now it's back open again. So those are the kind of experiences I think are worth thinking about what, what architecture is good for. Thank you for listening to this podcast, which was created by the Arts and Junior Cycle team for Junior Cycle Talks podcast channel. To hear more from Junior Cycle Talks, search for us on SoundCloud or anywhere you listen to your podcasts.